I am powerless over my first thought. I am not powerless over my second thought or for what comes out of my mouth. And the idea there is that when we're powerless over something, at least those of us in recovery, is we learn to turn it over to a power greater than ourselves. So if we know that we're going to have these fucked up thoughts, this is going to happen, that we don't act on those thoughts. I just didn't know all that before recovery. I just didn't understand that because I was thinking something didn't mean that it was true until I got into recovery. Hi, I'm Barb Nangle. I want to welcome you to my podcast, Fragmented to Whole, Life Lessons from 12-Step Recovery, where I help people heal their emotional, psychological, and spiritual wounds and make deep, lasting changes in their lives. I'm the founder and CEO of Higher Power Coaching and Consulting, LLC, where I coach people on how to develop healthy boundaries. On this podcast, I share my experience, strength, and hope from recovery. I don't support or endorse any particular 12-step recovery fellowship, and I don't claim to speak for any particular 12-step fellowship. I also don't believe that 12-step recovery is the only way to recover. You might need additional help. My hope is that you'll find my words concretely helpful in improving your life, whether you're in recovery or not. If you like what you've heard on this episode, please screenshot it and share it on social media. And if you do, please be sure to tag me at Higher Power Coaching. This is episode 204, why you're responsible for your second thought and not your first thought. One of the sayings that really helped me a lot when I first got into recovery was this, I'm not responsible for my first thought, but I am responsible for my second thought and for what comes out of my mouth. So what does this mean? As you know by now, I grew up in a dysfunctional family, and one of the manifestations of that is distorted thinking. In other words, I'm going to have distorted thoughts. There's no way around that. If you're an addict, even if you didn't grow up in a dysfunctional family, you're going to have distorted thoughts as well. This is the strange mental twist that the AA Big Book talks about. Much of my distorted thinking is I'm going to think things are normal that are not normal, like saying, just kidding, after saying something cruel to a family member. I'm going to think things are acceptable that are not, like having a boss call me the C word in front of a whole kitchen staff. I'm going to live into the wreckage of the future and think through every possible negative scenario. And that doesn't serve me. So those thoughts are going to pop up, but I'm not responsible for them popping up. That's going to happen, but I don't have to listen to them. Once I learned that this was going on, then I became responsible for my second thought and for what came out of my mouth and for my actions. I am responsible for what I am doing or saying after I have that second thought. Another way that I have heard this said, which I think is particularly appealing to those of us in recovery, is I am powerless over my first thought. I am not powerless over my second thought or for what comes out of my mouth. And the idea there is that when we're powerless over something, at least those of us in recovery, is we learn to turn it over to a power greater than ourselves. So if we know that we're going to have these fucked up thoughts, this is going to happen, 
that we don't act on those thoughts. I don't act on those thoughts. I just didn't know all that before recovery. I just didn't understand that because I was thinking something didn't mean that it was true until I got into recovery. And as soon as I start recognizing my thoughts as either unhealthy or unhelpful or distorted or dysfunctional, then I replace them with another thought, maybe a slogan from recovery, an affirmation, or I can recall the facts of the situation. Lately, I've had a lot of thoughts of lack. And the fact is, at this very moment, I am financially secure. A gigantic part of my recovery has been just this, thought work. I had no idea how much fucked up stuff was going on in my head, even though I had done a ton of work in my late 20s to clean up my negative self-talk. There was still so much more going on in there. Some of it is that it was, I was so used to the dysfunction, the thoughts were so common for me that I didn't realize this is distorted thinking. I just thought this is the way things are. Or maybe I didn't even think this is the way things are. They just were. Like living with a sense of urgency 24-7 for my entire life. Some of it was that I had things that were so deeply ingrained, they were at the level of belief. In other words, this is the way things are, not this is a thought I'm thinking. And some of those thoughts went below the level of language. They existed at the level of feeling. And I've talked about this before, but the best example of that is the experience I had where I would feel the need to back off, shrink down, get smaller. And I didn't have any words attached to that feeling. But when I finally decided to explore how that feeling might be expressed in words, I realized that the words I would attach to that are, I'm too much. After I identified those words, when I'd start having that feeling, whether those words came to mind or not, I'd tell myself, I'm just the right amount of everything. Well, here's the reason that I'm talking about this subject at this particular moment. I am going through a lot of shit the last couple of months, the vast majority of which is in my head. This is the most prolonged, difficult time that I've had since the beginning of my recovery. I'm having a lot of thoughts where I'm trying to live into the wreckage of the future. Luckily, I have a shitload of tools that I didn't have at the beginning of recovery. And also, luckily, I am a coach and a person in recovery and a podcaster. So I'm constantly spouting tools of recovery and positive messages. And I get to hear myself say that stuff. We teach what we need to learn. One of the thoughts is realizing that these thoughts that I'm having, especially where I'm trying to live into the wreckage of the future, are bullshit. I'm using all of my tools now, and this doesn't mean this is easy for me. It is definitely hard. I start to live into the wreckage of the future, and then I pull myself back, and I start to live into the wreckage of the future, and I pull myself back, and that work is fucking exhausting. I don't know about you, but I honestly find that emotional work is so much more draining than physical labor. It is just exhausting. The other thing that is happening with all of this is that I'm having tons of feelings bubble up. 
They don't necessarily have a thought attached to them. And recently, in one of my 12-step meetings, somebody shared that she realized that rather than feeling her feelings, she had been soothing her feelings. And I was like, whoa, 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 wait, hold the phone. I think I've been doing that. I have definitely had the realization in recovery that I used to resist my feelings. And I had the experience that when I stopped resisting, the feelings went through me and dissipated rather quickly. It's the resistance to the feelings that is so much worse than the actual feelings. So here's what I mean by that. One of the things that happens for me when I start to live into the wreckage of the future and I have fear is that I feel pressure on my chest and it's difficult for me to catch my breath. So what I have been doing rather than feeling the feelings that are causing the pressure is doing whatever I have to do to catch my breath. Maybe I meditate, listen to some soothing music, look at a soothing image, smell some frankincense essential oil, whatever it is I need to do to catch my breath. And those things are important. I do need to catch my breath and I do need to know how to soothe myself. What I realized is that part of the breath holding was me resisting my feelings. The way that I came up with to manage all this, to make sure I feel my feelings, and I don't know how I came up with this, I just did, is that I've literally been laying on the floor with my arms and legs splayed out because I cannot not feel my feelings when I'm just laying there like that. There's no resistance to my feelings. And sometimes I've actually said, all right, God, bring it. When I'm allowing myself to feel my feelings like that, sometimes I've even ended up dry heaving. But I'm talking like seven to 15 seconds. That is how long it is taking for the feelings to go through me. Seven to 15 seconds. Yet the resistance could be for hours, days, or even weeks. All right, so back to the topic at hand. I'm not responsible for my first thought, but I am responsible for my second thought and for what comes out of my mouth. If I let my first thought run away, then the actions I'm going to take are going to be fear-based. But if I realize that it is a fear-based thought, that it's a distorted thought and not based on reality, the evidence in front of me right now is that I am fine and that none of these things are happening, what is the action I'm going to take based on that? What are the things that are going to come out of my mouth based on that? If I don't allow myself to live into the wreckage of the future, if I allow myself to go with the second or maybe the third or fourth or fifth thought rather than the first thought in my head, things are going to come out so much better. So remember, you are powerless over your first thought, but you are not powerless over your second thought or for what comes out of your mouth. If you're ready to finally have an enjoyable, relaxing summer doing things you really want to do, instead of always following other people's agendas, I have some openings for private clients right now. If you are really tired of saying yes to things you really don't want to do and being overly accommodating to others, this is for you. It's time to start accommodating yourself. Maybe you're dissatisfied with your relationships and overwhelmed with all kinds of difficult feelings because of your interactions with others. 
If you'd like to get your life in order before the summer hits, go to barbchat.net and sign up for a free 30-minute call with me about my private coaching so we can get started right away. That way, you'll be done by summer. This is for people who are finally ready to make deep, lasting changes in their relationship patterns, including their relationships with themselves, their partners, family, friends, and colleagues. Go to barbchat.net. If you like this podcast, and I'm guessing you did or you wouldn't still be listening, then you're gonna love the other things I have to offer. If you'd love pre-release podcast scripts and episodes before anyone else gets them, or if you'd love access to content from my private vault that I developed exclusively for my private clients, which is like having a work session with me without me actually being there, go to patreon.com slash higherpowercoaching. There are three tiers ranging from as low as $4 up to $24 a month. You'll also love my weekly newsletter, Friday Fragments, which has content very similar to the podcast. You can check it out at fridayfragments.news. That's fridayfragments.news. Please like and subscribe to my podcast on your favorite podcast outlet. I'd also love it if you'd leave a review, which you can do either in the show notes or on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find my podcast so they can get the benefits you've gotten from listening. If someone came to mind when you listen to this particular episode, please share it with them. And my favorite place to hang out on social media is Instagram. I'm at Higher Power Coaching. Please DM me there. I'd love to hear what you got from this episode. I run group and private coaching programs on building healthy boundaries. Whether you need help with boundaries in your personal, professional, or romantic life, I can help. Head on over to barbchat.net where you can hop onto my calendar for a free 30-minute Better Boundaries consultation. My ideal client is someone who is ripe for change. If that's you, I would love to work with you. My goal with all my work is to help you make lasting changes in your life like I've made deep, lasting changes in my life. Remember, it's never too late to recover. No one is beyond hope and healing is possible. Thanks for listening.